did we already get such a tangled mess with the cord? We have two cables. <laughs> it's already t- and it's Well, already you got that crashed. coil stuff. They never use those coil things. They didn't have the straight cable when I went to buy it. Yeah. And I actually. So I was, got, I was like, I'll get the cord and then I'll bring it back for the straight yeah. cable. And I just never brought it back, huh. I guess. I will actually, you know, self-confessed, I use the coil cable at work oh, on yeah. my headphones. Well, I mean, it takes up less space. It's good for the desk. All right. Uh, I'm Matthew Martinson. I am Gordon McClattery. And this is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio on the road. Welcome to the car. We're going to a thing, and we're recording it in the car. We're going on a journey today. Today we're going to the DigiPen Audio Symposium, which we uh, we went to last year. There were some good talks. Uh, hosted by gang. They're, is it a gang thing? Yeah. I didn't know this was a gang thing. Yeah, they're, 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 I, I don't know if I, I don't I don't know if it's a like a gang gang thing or if they just organized it for DigiPen, but gang is involved. So like, way to go! Cool. Don't don't want to like for not mention them. That's... So we're gonna chat a bit on the way down. Then we're gonna meet up with uh, my friend Dan Ram- Ramo, um, who works at Microsoft. Not indie. Not indie. But what can you do? We take what we can get. But I'm sure he has some relevant things. He's that, a very experienced sound designer. So we're going to have a great talk with him and I'm sure he will have things that will be beneficial to indie people. Yes. He's one of my many friend tours, as I call them. Nice. Nice. So yeah, we went to this last year and that's kind of where uh, we got the idea to do a podcast, or I got the idea to do a podcast, I guess, because talking in the car is cool. We should do this so other people can listen to it. And you were like, yeah. Let's just do all our podcasts in cars from now on. I think it's. I think it could be a good thing. I gotta get a car. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I don't want to do all the driving. So the audio symposium. So it's kind of higher level. It looks like this year. Last year was so hit and miss. I felt like last year was like half practical and half uh, academic theoretical. Yeah. yeah. And this this year seems to be skewing more academic. Which is nothing wrong with that at all. It's more academic, but it also seems a little more interesting. You know what freaked me out was yeah. like last night at two a.m. We got we had to get up at five thirty in the morning to be in Seattle for this. By the way, there's See, no I other kinda... sound designers in the world awake. Right? No, they are. They're still awake. They're that's still the, like they just have it. That's yeah. That's who's <laughs> up still. Like people still working on a project. If I didn't have to be here for this, that would probably have been me. Yeah. So I, I just Googled quickly DigiPen Audio Symposium and clicked the first link and I was like, it's all the same speakers as last year. <laughs> I just about messaged you to bail and was like, wait a minute. That's last year's? That was last year's. That's, that's good. I, like, I don't need to see all this again. I'm going to stay up till seven working instead. <laughs> Anyway, so what's new at Clay? You found a new plugin. Uh, this month, I got uh, two of the Kramer plugins from Waves. Uh, I got the Kramer Master Tape. Okay. And I got the Kramer Pi compressor. Oh, sweet. Okay. Which I, I was really interested in, in the it's the tubes, tape, tubes, and transistors, or transistors, tubes, and tape. I don't remember which order. That bundle. So now I've got two of the three out of that bundle, and I just got to wait for the, the third one to go on sale, and then I'll pick, pick that up. Right. Uh, Pi is interesting. Um, I've been using it, but it's just like a, you know, it's a cool compressor. Uh, but the tape one I've been using a lot. Cool. Um, I used it, actually, I've been using it um, to master, big air quotes, right. uh, my last album, my last EP right. of weirdo music. But, like, I don't know how to master that kind of stuff, so I just slap the tape on the end sweet um, what's cool about that is like it's got it's cool tape saturation which you know you know me and distortions like, yes I'm like you have like a thousand percent more distortions than I have I've got a, a thing about distortion I don't know and it's like it all goes back to decapitator yeah. uh, but this is this is it's got a nice tape thing going on and you can use it subtly or you can just crank crap out of it and get really nice distorted tape thing and it's got a tape delay built into it which is cool oh sweet okay. so you can use it as a, as a tape delay as well which that's real nice I've realized I don't have enough delays 
<laughs> I, I think I have a plug-in problem. We all have a plug-in problem. You know, I've got like probably four or five delays, and I'm like, mm, I, I need more delays. More delays would be good. You know, Echo Boy is awesome. H delay is awesome. Those are my main two, but I'm like, I need some more. I use almost exclusively H delay. Yep. But I would like more delays as well. I want more, uh, like, realistic, like, post-audio delays. Right. H delay is definitely, you know, catered to music. Yeah. Uh, I want something that's a little more randomized. I started using H delay for my music projects. Right. And then I've started, since then, I've started using it in my sound design stuff. I really like the, like, over 100% feedback thing. The over 100% feedback is awesome. And the modulation is cool. Yeah. Although I, I keep using it too much and clients keep being like, this sounds like it's in a building. <laughs> and basically I've had to stop using it. Right. Because I get too excited about it. What I do like doing for post sounding to make, to, to use HDLA because I like that it has the, the, high, the low pass filter on it. I mean, most, almost all yep. delays do. But having a low pass filter, I like taking uh, the mod, mondo mod, mm -hmm. and putting it after my delay to kind of throw the delay around yep. the stereo field and, and Doppler it a little bit. Yep. Uh, that can be really, for like, if you want something to sound really huge, I found that to be really cool. That's cool. Like in a big space or like yep. in a concrete jungle environment or something. That's probably, that's one of my favorite delay tricks. They are concrete tips. Concrete tips. Right now. Age delay into Mondo Mod. Yeah. Do it. Or two Mondo Mods. Whoa, getting crazy. Yeah. Just then if you just slap Who knows a, where that delay is coming from? You just put a decapitator after that. Decapitator You're after that. Good. Decapitator on the master. Decapitator on the Submaster. Uh, you I really have, just need to audio have. suite your individual sounds with Decapitator and you're good. <laughs> just, just batch process your entire library <laughs> with Decapitator. Twice. Twice. You do it once with it just like at about five and then once again with the punish button in and then you're, you're solid. Then once again in the session. Yeah. I have found myself like like can double you, can you distorting check, things. Can you even check your sounds by looking at the waveform anymore? Or are they just a bunch <laughs> of rectangles? I I I laugh sometimes <laughs> when I'm like, oh, like I've got my session open. I'm like, yeah, that's a, there's some like transients, and they're like, that's like a nice thing. And then I'm like, decapitator, decapitator, decapitator. Oh, it's just a bunch of squares now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I needed. Oh, I, I, I need an, ex an explosion. Oh, there's one. <laughs> Oh wait, that's fully of somebody rubbing their wrist. Lightly. Oh, that's a footstep. <laughs> I did find too that I've started. Um, I got uh, met the Metric Halo transient control. Okay. Um, on a on a no-brainer deal. Um, and I actually found it's great. I like it. Like I'm not like not knocking it in any way. Um, I've been using it, but I still have been finding that I use bittersweet. Which is free. Which is free. Uh, but I use them at the same time. It took me so long to figure out what the hell Bittersweet was doing. Yep. I had to watch like, multiple videos. It's so subtle, but it's definitely cool. But I found it's. I found that they're they're both transient controllers. Yeah. They both add or take away transient, but they both do it like differently. In that I was like using. The, the metric halo one like I'd process that and then I'd process it again with bittersweet right to get like to get the transient where I wanted like basically I was like building in a transient where there was none oh well that and that's good for if you're using working with a pitch sound yeah like I was doing I was building some HUD stuff and okay. I just I wanted like a, a real like point at the like for the button press right but what I was building from, like, sound-wise didn't have that. So I was like, alright, I'll just build it in. And I had, like, multiple transient controls open and, like, a couple compressors that I was, like, all, like, messing around. Like, there was a lot of processing that went on. Sweet. I probably could have found a sample that had a click before, but... I finally joined the Pro-Q family from FabFilter. They finally had a sale. Yeah. It's like they have a sale like every two years. I've been waiting for that sale for two years. 
See, that's why I have so many like waves Pro waves plugins, is because they've almost got sales. Sales all the time. Yeah. Um, I wanted Pro Q for so long. Yep. Though. It's such a nice EQ. I don't have I don't have any of the Fab Filter stuff. I always hear great stuff about it. It's the only thing. It, well, they're expensive. Yeah. Um, but they're good. It's the, just it's so low latency. Yeah. And it's just works beautifully. Yeah, the way I work, I don't really care about latency. Big, big fucking, like, st- line in the sand there. <laughs> like, let's hear the feedback like, well, on that one. That one, I don't care about latency. I do because I don't like printing something and then go and have to trim it. I like AudioSuite everything. So, like, the way I work is very, like, I don't run plugins on stuff. So, like, it doesn't doesn't bother me. Um, but I, I use HEQ. That's my, like, go-to EQ. Is it? Yeah. I really, I really like HEQ. What's the interface on HEQ? It's, it's not graphic, is it? It's knobby. It's 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 knobby, but it's got a like a spectral view. Oh, not spectral, okay. but it's got a like a waveform view. Oh, okay. So you can see what what's coming in and what you're doing. Right. How it's going out, and then each of the bands you can choose what EQ emulation you want on that band, and then oh, you can mix and match them. That, so you can right. be like, you can have like, okay, this band I want to emulate like. They all like they're like American, you know, and like British. And but you're like, okay, I want the API one on this, and I want like an SSL one on this, and I want like this band will be the Neve band. Like, so it's cool. Like you can mix it all up that way, which I really like. Cool. Uh, what I like about ProQ is a mid side. Yep, that's pretty neat. Uh, not that I've used it tons, but for like nice stereo effects it's cool to sweeten the high end on the sides only or something yeah um, so I dig that alright uh, so what have you been playing lately I have been playing Child of Light which is I... semi indie I guess what is it isn't Ubi, it Ubi, it's, it's, it's an Ubi, Ubi game but it's a Ubi download Art. title okay did it was it made by them or was it made by somebody like published by them um, I don't know the specifics. Right. It's very high quality. I so I had seen some too. mix. I, I, I'd seen some art, kind of got excited, yeah. and then, like, saw very mixed reviews. Okay. So you've played it. Yeah. Well, but, I don't play a lot of uh, these sort of turn-based strategy games. So as far as those games go, I got quite into it. Yeah. Um, the combat style took a bit of getting used to. And... I think I'm kind of stuck right now. Some things just take too long. Right. Some of the battles take like 45 minutes if you're doing them wrong, I think. You have to stack <laughs> your characters correctly and stuff. Uh, the artwork is fantastic. Sound is amazing. Yep. Um, soundtrack is great. Like, it's just a very, very beautifully put together game. Cool. We'll uh, have to check it out like, then. I, I'm not the best person to actually critique game design. Yeah. There are other people that do that better than but I it's like hitting that with movies too. I just like stuff. But it's hitting on points that you like. Yeah, it's hitting on a lot of points that I like. Yeah. Great wing sounds. Uh, huh. Your character, you end up like flying for yeah, most yeah. of the game, and you have these little wings. And uh... I'm sort of playing indie stuff at the moment. I just picked up a Vita. Oh, great. Okay. So I am like going down the Vita path. You're gonna have to buy like... Rogue Legacy for that too. Is that coming out on the Vita? Yeah. Sweet. I will, totally. Um, so I've been playing a lot of the indie games that are cross-buy that I've already bought on my PS3. Yep. And I'm like, sweet, I already have a collection of games, which is... Now I can play comfortably on my couch. Yeah. Yeah. Or on the bus on the way to work. Um, and I've been, like, non-indie, I've been caught up in Persona. Persona? I've been playing Persona 3. On the PlayStation? JRPG on the Vita. Oh, on the Vita, okay. I immediately picked up Persona 3 and Persona 4 and they're like everyone's like yeah they're awesome I've got 120 hours in that I'm like yay I'm sort of excited but I'm also like oh god I just bought like huge (laughs) massive games I'm not going to play anything else something I wholeheartedly do not agree with is the hours equals quality mentality oh totally I'm with you on that like so what, what drives me nuts is on Steam when you get people complaining about only getting 20 hours out of a game that costs them eight bucks. <laughs> it's like, have you ever been to a movie? Maybe yeah. these people don't go to movies. I don't know. 
Yeah. And for me, I mean, maybe but it did shows. You enjoy it. Maybe it shows that I'm old. But yeah, I do the movie price per time comparison. As long as I'm above that, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so basically, as long as a game that is twelve to sixteen dollars lasts more than an hour and a half, I'm good. Yeah, and is enjoyable. Like that's that, a good out, like a good couple hours. Like yeah, it can't be just hours of torture. Yeah, and then as the price goes down, I expect less. Yeah. You know, if I can pick up a console title for ten bucks, I'm like, it's probably horrible, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I will get ten dollars worth of enjoyment out of this like really bad game. Deadly Some damage. games I like, that would that's worth all the money in the world. <laughs> that is not like bad. That is an amazing game. It's so good. Love Deadly Premonition. I bought it twice, and I bought the ebook. There's an ebook. Yes. There's like an iPad book that's, awesome. that's all about the making of Deadly Premonition. I like pre-ordered that shit. Yeah. It's uh, so all over that. Monument Valley. Did I mention Monument Valley? Oh, I played Monument Valley. That was fantastic. That was a short. Short. But like the just spot on. Like yeah, it it felt great. It looked great. It sounded awesome. Like it was. Yeah. I never played a puzzler that didn't have me eventually raging. Maybe right. because it was easy. I don't know. But uh, it looked beautiful. Yeah. It sounded great. Yeah. Apparently they're coming out with some more levels. That would be awesome. That would be good. No, I love that game. All right. Well, that's enough for the ride up. Yeah. Well, uh, next up, we'll talk to Dan. And then after we talk to Dan, we'll talk on the ride home about stuff. All right. Let's go listen to some talks. If I fall asleep, tell me to, you need to nudge me. And tell me to just... I'm taking a bench or something. I'm taking pictures. Three hours. All right. Coffee. All right. So we 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 went to the symposium. It was was pretty awesome. It was really good. We symposed. They were awesome. Um, And we're now here at Microsoft with Dan. With Dan. 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 Who are you? I Uh, am. uh, I should qualify that this is one of the many offshoots of Microsoft, they uh, basically overtook this town of Redmond about 20 years ago, and this is a corporate park on the edge of nowhere, which is kind of nice, because it's quiet, and then we're in a room within a room within a room, so it's uh, it's kind of like a casino feel, where you never know if it's day or night. So we're, we're in the main Foley stage at Millennium A campus, uh, which is where I've been primarily working for the last four years as a sound designer. Not in this room in particular, but I like a lot. the name Millennium A campus. Makes it sound like a spaceship. Yeah. Where's the bridge? This is the holodeck. <laughs> Zalin Illusion. Uh, this is Daniel Ramo, sound designer, senior sound designer now. I might add, uh, which means absolutely nothing. I get paid no more. And well, you got no a sweet better. title. I got a sweet title. It makes me feel uh, important, though, as you know, in audio, we are never important. <laughs> I have great. <laughs> I have been working in games since 2010. Um, I went to Vancouver Film School, not unlike Gordon yep. and many of my colleagues. And uh, started out in film and got called up to the majors uh, because of good old-fashioned hard work, determination, sleepless nights, and nepotism. I'm, I'm really happy to have you here because I you. think the, the way that we got in contact, I think, really sort of encapsulates what, why we do the podcast and what Matt and I try to be about a lot of the time. Because I was doing that other podcast, and I, yep. you just emailed me and were like, hey, I like the podcast. I've been doing this for a while. If you ever need any help or want to know anything, like drop me a line. And that was cool. And I think that's what we're trying to do by just spread, 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 the, spread, spread the, the gospel. Knowledge. Awesome. Yeah. Spread the knowledge and find our niche. Well, yeah. that is that is a resource that uh, are you guys familiar with the concepts of, in uh, in marketing of like and business of like a blue ocean versus a red ocean? No. It's like a blue ocean is where you're creating a new market and there's not a finite amount of resources that everybody's fighting over. So somebody has to lose in order for somebody to win. Right. Right. Uh, And a red ocean is, of course, the opposite. And I feel like uh, we – it's so difficult to get get your foot in the door in this industry that a lot of people treat it as – 
in order to help you, I have to screw myself. I right. have to cheat myself out of an opportunity. And I don't really agree with that. I think that people who are maybe not confident in their abilities or, uh, you know, whatever's going on there. So I really admire people who put themselves out there and say, look, we're a community. We should treat each other uh, as a think tank, as we all have something to learn from one another, and we help each other out when we can. And I usually don't, like, bro out and call people up when I hear their podcast and say, I want to be your sound friend. But <laughs> for some reason, I was just like, this guy, I, I, like, uh, I like the cut of your jib, son. And so I just like, eh, I'm going to write them. So. I appreciated that. That was a big day for me. Because, and I think this will lead nicely into one of the things we wanted to talk about. While at school, I think the big dream that is not necessarily sold to you, but what you get, I think, mainly because most of our teachers are ex-AAA guys. And the big the big dream is, like, you want to get in on AAA. And so we are an indie game podcast, but um, we're talking to you who is primarily AAA. So whatever that means, whatever that means, right? In, yeah. in this day and age, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we wanted to dip in on some of the differences in that, and what your experience is like. Uh, and well, Matt works at EA for a while as well, and I've never touched it before. So it's something that I think a lot of up and coming sound designers would be interested in, because I know I was, is what the process of getting hired for a bigger company is like. Um, a lot of people want to work on the games that they've like idolized and for the companies that they've idolized growing up and stuff. But it's not a straightforward process is what I've learned. It's, it's usually not. Uh, I think it's very rare that you can go directly. Um, uh, it, for example, like technically I don't even work for Microsoft even though I've been here for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the process for uh, I think a lot of the bigger – uh, developers and certainly a publisher like like Microsoft is most of their employees are going to be contractors, mm-hmm. which means you have to go through an intermediary like a talent agency. And uh, so you work for the agency. The agency bills Microsoft and pays you. Right. So uh, right now I work for an agency called Yo, Y-O-H. They work exclusively with vendors. Now, a vendor is a contractor who doesn't have to go on break a uh, contractor through Microsoft anyway because various lawsuits has to uh, take 100 days off after a year-long contract to really differentiate themselves from full-time employees with, you know, benefits and stock shares and all those things. Right. Uh, so those of us who are just uh, on hand to help create content or things like that, they don't really have any full-time content creators. Right. So if you're a sound designer, you're going to be a contractor with this company. Right. And so uh, best thing to do, actually, is uh, it's not a bad deal because the agencies, well, they take a cut of your money. Most of the reason for that is because once you sign on with a talent agency, they help you find a job. Right. Like, they don't get paid unless you're working. So that's the first step of the process, though, is you get the talent agency first. Yep. You uh, And I wish I would have known more about that model uh, when I was getting out of school because, right. uh, really, it doesn't cost anything until you're working. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, you just tell them, you know, some of the regions you'll probably have to move. So just tell them some of the regions you're willing to work mm-hmm. and move, and uh, and they will hit you up with some job offers, hopefully. And then once you're in, basically, uh, they're kind of a payroll service, essentially, because right. uh, there's not a lot for them to do. And in my personality, especially, like, I, I just like to be left alone. Yeah. So I'm sure everybody's experience is different. But once you've done that a few times and established yourself, if you're on a, a, a track to have a position that there is a full-time slot for like an audio director or sound supervisor, things like that. Um, they will usually try and fill that from in-house. Yeah. Meaning you, it, it is vertically integrated. Well, and it, it, like it always, like any job, it comes down to personalities and connections somewhat. Oh, absolutely. Or, or a lot. Almost exclusively. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, there's a lot of, uh, Networking is as loath as I am to admit it because that's not what I like to do is go out and uh, kind of bother people. But to be honest, like now that 
I am working and I've met some people at school and I went back or, you know, it's out in the world and it's never annoying, right? Like no. I always like, I don't want to bother people in the industry because they're, they're going to see right through me. I'm fresh out of school. I'm looking at them as an opportunity. Yeah. But that's, I don't, that's I don't just really kind of that something way. you have to put up with for a year or two Yeah, and do it. Absolutely. Basically. And like I found it doesn't have to feel like that necessarily. Just put yourself in the areas where people are, where people are and talk to someone occasionally and you'll get to know people. That was my experience so far. Yeah. But yeah, cuz you don't want to be you don't want to be uh not yourself either because exactly. like you said, the one of the most important things is can I be in a room with you? Yeah. for 3 days without sleep. Yeah. Like that has I think that for me is the most important aspect yeah. <laughs> of game audio or game development in general because stress levels get very high. Mm -hmm. And if you have somebody who does not play well with others and then all of that is exaggerated by the circumstances, it's they're not gonna come back. They're not gonna be hired back. So Yeah. Yeah. There was the first time I went to GDC, they did were doing the audio boot camp and it was a talk about how do you how do you get into the industry? And it was a guy from Crystal Dynamics who said he was all the main point of like, how do you get hired? And he was like, I got hired because I wasn't an asshole. Mm. Yeah. He was like, my boss, like I'd done some freelance work or whatever. That's how I remember it. That And he was like, his boss was like, well, we got a full-time position. I like working with you. You're a good guy. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to be stuck with you for 12 hours a day. You're not an asshole. That's good. I'm going to spend more time with you than I do with my spouse. Yeah, yeah, that's actually true. <laughs> so that personality thing it counts a lot for a lot of times more than skill, talent, knowledge. Because like I can teach you how to use a DAW, right? Yeah, you know I can't can teach, teach you not to be an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're but taking we, notes, what is the advice to the people that? Well, there are people that are like admittedly that they don't like hanging around people. Right. What are the jobs for them? Uh, I would say academic musician. <laughs> no, um, the jobs for them. That's that's producer, if you want to if you want to do if you want to do audio and that might be like the really sort of really technical stuff where you just just you and your brain and we, I would I think tasks and you and your brain do the thing. I think those people those are people that are much. like severely loath to be social. Yeah, and want to work in audio. You should work remotely. Yeah. Like, find people where you're just interacting through email with them. Right. You know, if you've got skills to back up, just like, boom, there's my skills. Because I, These I, are I, had, awesome always sounds. Thought, I had always thought that it would, it would almost be more, because you, you don't want to freelance. You probably are not going to have a lot of success freelancing if you're Unfortunately not a social not. person. Unfortunately like not. What, what I found, like, I was one of those audio people that was not a social person. I liked hanging behind the board with all the gear and, you know, playing with microphones. Oh, yeah. We're actually, actually on a curve here. Don't get yeah. me wrong. We're not like the social butterflies. So when I no. was when I went freelance, workers. I really had to push myself to get out and network with people. Like, that was, like, not something I was comfortable with at all. And I was like, well, if, if I want to buy groceries and pay the rent, I'm going to go have to talk to that person that I don't really want to talk to. I'm, like, just because I'm, like, nervous and yeah. I'm not a social beast. Necessity. So I, like, just had to push myself. I'm going, okay, go talk to this person. What's the worst thing that happens? They go, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> okay. That was right. <laughs> and then uh, go and then talk to that crushed. other person. <laughs> well, actually, that's, that's a very important point because if you are incapable of doing that, you'll never make it, particularly in games, because it is so collaborative. You yeah. have to take the initiative to go talk to other departments. You have to stay. People aren't going to allow time for audio ever. Yeah. So you yeah, have especially to go. even I think that's something that goes across from AAA to indie to like every yeah. level of of game yep. making. Audio always kind of seems to be in the back corner, and it's on audio to go find out what's going on. And it's not as much. Well, I know at least in India, it's never out of malice. No, no, it's no, not no, out, out of spite. It's, out of it's just yeah. that we're Innocent chasing ignorance. the train. Like yeah. we're last in line. There's a lot of work we can't do yeah. until you know. Yeah, the tech art people are done, mm -hmm. and and that's fine. But ship dates don't always push out, and when they do, there's tremendous backlash from the community. So you know, just because audio wants more time, and usually it's like I don't hear any difference. You know, if you're mm -hmm. not in audio, nobody's going to notice, and it's something glaring like shit just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. 
uh, they're going to choose to probably ship on time. Yeah. <laughs> so you learn pretty quickly that what you need to do is go talk to the animation people and talk to the visual effects people. And they are delighted to have that relationship because they don't have to iterate as much. They don't have to explain how they did it, mm-hmm. you know, more than once. Because the more initiative you take to be uh, proactive, which is a word that I hate, but that's what you have to do. You uh, save yourself from that mad scramble at the end. There'll always be somewhat, but... Well, it's like I like to say I got my artists trained on Don't Starve, yeah. where I had Post-its I've on, their, lots of developers already. on their monitors, go talk to Matt, mm-hmm. go talk to audio, so that, like, and I constantly hammered them in the, like, possibly, like, first half of the development of the game, of, like, please, whenever you make a change, come talk to me. Any change. Any change whatsoever, just come over and talk to me. And we're a small enough studio that they're just like, just across the way. Like it's not different rooms, different floors. Like we're all, you know, one place. So I've now they come by and go, Hey, I changed this animation. Do you, like, does that affect you? And I'm like, Oh no, but thanks for telling me like, right. Right. And then half the time it's like, Oh yeah, I should do something about with that. Then thanks. When are you going to be done? And, mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to be done by tomorrow. Okay. I'll, I'll look at it tomorrow. I'll come by your desk tomorrow and check in and like change that, you know, so it's become the collaboration, and they were like, "Oh yeah, I don't like they don't mean to forget about you, but oh God, no, I, I don't want to imply that at all. Yeah, because they I don't think anybody here they don't is. want the thing to suck any more than you yeah. do. Yeah, right. Yeah. And their work is diminished when nobody is going out and being like, let's make the shittiest game we can. Right. Well, yeah, no one is saying that. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm not naming names, but um, <laughs> no, that's an important thing to uh, bear in mind from from the smallest indie like freaking. Uh, mobile game that you made in your bedroom mm-hmm. to, you know, some giant AAA beast is the more adaptive you can make your audio, uh, like granular, you can make it from the get-go mm-hmm. rather than just saying, okay, this animation is three seconds long, the hard hits yeah. are at 1.5 seconds and two seconds, and then you just bake that all in yeah. rather than cutting it up into little compartmental pieces. Not only can you get more variety with those smaller pieces, but if they just adjust the timing, you don't have to render that whole thing yeah. again. No, and we've been working with a, on a game called Viking Squad with Slick Entertainment. I'm just doing the music and then Power Up soon the rest. And we're fi- working with v- SVN, and I haven't worked with SVN other than with like a couple game jams, and neither have the Slick guys. And oh, they're fine. like, they're <laughs> like, they're like, I can't tell you how satisfying it is to just load up the game to start working on it, and there's new sounds already there yeah already loaded it just makes everything more fun to work on so i think that's that's pretty cool like when you get when you do get on early the devs catch on right away that it's makes the whole process more enjoyable i think i've definitely tried in the last couple of games to start really chopping stuff up like how you're talking about like i'm not like hey give me an animation and i'll make a sound that's as long as the animation oh no it's like these are the three things that happen in that animation. I'm going to make three separate events with three different sets of files for those and hook them up at the right time. And if anything changes, that's fine. I'll just change, like, I just have to change one of the things. Yeah. Exactly. You can just move a marker in, a, in an animation editor. Or, you know, there's there's a, there's some frame lag or, or things like that. Your, your audio will be less likely to fall yeah. out of sync. Like, there's... Tremendous benefit to, to doing that, yeah. and that's one of those things that uh, I think can be done on any level because it's all just a matter of scale once you get out of the basic principles of when this happens, play this. I mean, that's essentially what we do. Yeah. And say, say you had that and you're freelancing. Are you going to charge for three assets or are you going to charge for one? Because I've had situations where both. That would be hard. That would be it hard for me. the complexity of the Yeah. And, and two, part of it is like part of one of the reasons I do that is those can then be reused in more ways in other spots exactly. as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, oh, well, I've, I've taken that, and it's this one thing here, but if I pitch it down, it's perfect for this other thing over here that's a, a piece of something. So I'd, those are the kinds of jobs I'd be like, I would be loathed at this point if I was to go freelance to do a, like, per-asset job. Right. Like, I would just be like, no, I want to do an hourly thing because I just want to give you everything that this game deserves, not having to be like, oh, okay, should I charge for one or three, and, like, getting into that whole, like, granular, like, money part of it. Yeah. I'd much rather just want to be like... It's just a lot easier to bid for contracts. Oh, totally. Way, right? 
or be like this is like this much right like you know this much money yeah you know and you'll get this much work out of me Mm-hmm. And that should be enough to do all of this, and then we'll talk. Like, if, yeah, and, if I, more and, needs and, to and that's an experience thing too, where you yeah. can say, "I know I can do this number of assets per day, probably." Yeah. Whereas when I was starting out, I had no idea, oh. and I was probably doing like four assets a day or something, like super slow. I knew, I knew that you were going to be a champion on the assets. <laughs> that's why I reached out to you. <laughs> four a day, you say? Four a day, huh? Wow, that's pretty good. Well, you should always that's a, err that's on all the variations side. of one, actually. Well, but yeah. but you, you should err on the it's side just, of over It's just four punches, <laughs> mm-hmm. four footsteps, and the day's over. I never, I never had to deal with that. I did freelance uh, film work, but it was always charged per reel. Right, you know, whatever you put in there is on you. I've yeah. never heard of that before either. Per reel, really? Hmm. We always do day rate, hourly. Well, it never, it never comes in reels anymore. They still, they still well, chop they? stuff up. In yeah, the they do they because they're, up, you know, yeah. they're, it's yeah. linear media, so they're mm-hmm. done with this part, and you can start working on it when yeah. you move on to the next one. So I, I guess I probably, the... I probably I get, sound I get, so I, dumb I, saying that I've never heard that. Well, we'll fix it. I'll leave it. Don't worry about it. it. We'll just sleep. Your mic isn't on. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can see that being a really, like, a lot being charged out that way because it, it should take you X long to do X minutes. That can vary significantly as well. Sure, but, like... You should like they should be able to. This is a sci-fi thing. It should take you two days to do right. a reel, right? And You're, that's what you, you it's build a documentary. For is what you think it should take, yeah, or or what you know the industry thinks it should take, mm-hmm. not like oh shit, I'm gonna have to put in an extra six hours. You're gonna have to eat that sometimes, yeah. Uh, I think, and that, then there's other times you're like, sweet, done early. <laughs> it was just a lot of, you know, wistful stares and, and, and music, like a cloth track, and I was out. Yeah, and that'll happen too, and and it all comes out in the wash. I I, I don't want to encourage people to uh, to work for free by any means, but what I'm saying is you should always err on the side of uh, fairness to the to the client in particular, rather than trying to you know penny pinch yeah you yeah. never try to fleece people i i don't think work. i don't think you should ever work for free but there are many different ways of being paid yes yeah being paid isn't necessarily money like you can get other things and be like i got paid for that job i didn't get cash is this, you should specify is this a weird this. canadian it's thing this weird. is going in a dark alley yeah like yeah. literally we should probably specify <laughs> <laughs> No, I did. I did barter on, yeah. on some on some uh, you know little short films. Uh, there was this guy who worked at a. Well, I probably shouldn't say because people could look that up. But anyway, like this guy worked at an amazing coffee shop, and uh, I did the film for coffee. You know, you got paid. Yeah, I did. Got I did paid. Exactly. I've done a lot of labor trades. It was excellent coffee. Yeah, and, and if uh, you feel you got enough for what you put in, mm-hmm. then. Like, it's a fair trade. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I've done labor trades as well. I think that was one of the smarter things I've done. Yeah. Is finding other talented people in other mediums. Right. And that that's how I got my website. And that's how I got, like, this cool, a shell in the pit video. Like, <laughs> a, the whole thing. Like, animations and stuff that yeah. I got to sound design to. And it's, like, personalized for my company. Nice. That's sweet. And I just did a couple, just did a couple sound designs for him. Cool. And that's right. the sort of symbiosis that basically follows through into game development when you're at a big studio is, is that's the mentality people have because you get people move around so much, right? Mm-hmm. Like you finish a game, see ya, you know, a lot of people leave of their own accord. A lot of people are contractors. Their work there is done. There's a few full timers that stick around. So all you start on a, a game, everybody's new. They haven't worked together and you you reach out and say we can help each other mm-hmm. we can inspire each other we can make you can make my sound better uh through your animating and and vice versa and and uh it's it really is just bartering the whole time yeah. it's kind of nice <laughs> yeah i think that's something that doesn't change regardless of size like indie triple a like that's that's all going on it's the same no matter what the size of the team is mm-hmm. yep yeah like i said it's just a matter of scale yeah. I, I would think in the indie community, though I don't know, because uh, I haven't really worked in it, but you're, I'd say you're more likely to work on a game that at least in part you know is shit than maybe in the indie community, you know, because usually the goal of making a smaller game is this is really fun. Yeah. Like, its core gameplay is fun. Now, we, we don't have the budget or the time 
to give it all the flashy particle effects and everything, but yeah. it's going to be something people want to play, right? Yeah. So sometimes we have these big shiny turds on one hand, and we have you know these unpolished gems on the other. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think in uh, to paint with broad strokes, I think there's more passion in the indie community because it's like a team of one guy who's like. This is my game. This is my vision. Right? There's, you know, a, it's there's no, a huge risk there, right? Yeah. yeah. It's less people are like, hey, this is this is a great, awesome job. I get to like animate for you know, video games. This is cool. I'm less concerned about what game I'm working on because I'm working in the media. This is just cool. You know, I'm getting yeah. paid. Well, and you can get just if you're like if you're into the craft of making sound and you just like making sound or doing 3D or whatever, yeah. then you don't care. And I've been in that position before, like working on where I, I've received the project and being like, Ugh, and then get going on it, and I just like working in the medium. Right. So I don't care about the quality of the end product necessarily. Though that doesn't, like, tease your real artistic self out. Right. I'm not suggesting that you phone it in if you're not passionate about the work because... No, no, neither. I'm not saying that either. Like, I worked with guys back when I was in AAA land who were not gamers. They were not passionate about games. They were passionate about their craft. Like, they did a really good job of, like, they wanted to be like, I want to do sound. This is a job doing sound. I'm going to do a great job of doing the sound on this. I don't really care what it is. Like, I'm just going to do a great job of whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's ultimately the thing that uh, – it's it's a real chicken and egg scenario because yeah. uh, you don't know if you got into this industry because you have this tendency to stay up all night with this creative drive or if being in this industry forces you to do that. <laughs> but even if I've been working on, you know, like a, a connect – children's game Mm -hmm. it's not that i care about that game i care about the sound yeah yeah. so much that i will put as much into that you're gonna make that the best sounding kids connect game you start getting this weird appreciation for sounds in these games that you just don't care about you're just like ooh. i remember today i was like ooh, that ui (laughs) i remember talking to another sound designer he was getting super jazzed about some kid's toy interface. I can't remember. It was like Leapfrog or something like that. That he was like, oh my God, like the sounds on it are so good. Like they're just perfect for what they are. And he was like getting like super into his kid's Leapfrog. And it was just like, that's really cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you never know where you're going to derive inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Uh, once, you, once you lose that, like you should probably go back to waiting tables or something because yeah. you can really... You can really burn you out this this uh, this industry. It's nice when uh, like I do get a, a lot of like that's nice, dear, from Caitlin. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. I also but she, there are also a lot of the time she's like that's a cool sound. Maybe she's just saying to make you, make me happy. But uh, it's tough to well throw a couple of non disclosure agreements on top of that and then <laughs> see how your dinner conversations are. Did you do a work today? I can't talk about it, and even if I could, it's so technically boring that I would nod off. <laughs> but I loved it. How was yeah. your day? Yeah. So since we're more indie-focused, what what do you think would be something that indie sound people who haven't experienced AAA wouldn't know that they should know from your experience? That's a really long question. Yeah. Um, if you can parse the question out of that. I think that uh, I think it's an excellent opportunity to have your tendencies, both good and bad, adapt to the scale uh, along with the games that the, you may. If people want to go the trajectory of indie games into AAA, yep. right? Like that's still being sold as the goal for, and a lot of people don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. It's just you know you make more money, probably. Who knows? Anyway. Point being, you can figure out how to how to thrive yeah. in that uh, environment creatively and um, personally. Like the work life balance is is the most important thing. I'd suggest uh, figuring out how to maintain maybe while uh, the scope is a little smaller, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. once it you're talking. You know, millions and millions and millions of dollars on the line. You start to feel the weight a little more, and suddenly you don't go home 
uh, yep. for a few days and and then suddenly <laughs> your your health starts to fade and and then everything else starts to fall away because you care so much about what you do and that isn't a badge of honor like you need to figure out how to live your life you know have have this be something that you do not yeah. what you are mm-hmm. yeah that's something i definitely think that not only applies to to the AAA world um i think it applies to the freelance world heavily i think there's a lot of freelancers i'm not looking at you gord but i'm looking at you gord, you can look at me that you need to find that balance like it's yeah. real easy when you're a freelancer to like take every gig that comes along and then you're like oh my god i'm working for 24 hours straight yeah you know because you're like so scared of like turning down a gig because when's the next gig going to come along and you lot you got to learn how to balance that because if you're doing it then and something you're just going to keep doing that and you're going to burn out yeah and it's not that you're wrong no because <laughs> you don't know when the next gig yeah come yeah. along but it's, it's there's not this constant it. sense of like Things well, will stabilize next year. Yeah. Well, I found, like, <laughs> when I was near the end of my freelancing before, I I started doing the, like, you never never turn down a gig. Always take everything. But if I'm starting to get swamped, Outsource. I start outsourcing my gigs to, like, the people I know and can trust to do the job yeah. well and split things up. I did my first outsource this week. You know, where I was like, okay, this, I've got, I've got, like, so I've got enough work right now, but this opportunity's come in. I can do about half of it. So I'll phone up a friend and go, hey, you got some time? We'll split this gig. Hmm. And I would told, inform the client. I wouldn't, like, be shady and under the table. I'd be like, Have hey, I'm going to split this gig with this other guy. He's like, I vouch for him. He's awesome. You have no worries. You only have to interface with me. Yeah, and I'm and like Every time everyone was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's cool. Like, if you say he's good, like, he's good. So it was like, okay, I'm not swamping myself. I'm still keeping the contacts and people know that I'm available for work, but I'm not killing myself. The work's still getting done. Yeah. And you're responsible for it. Yeah. yeah. I should look into that. I don't, I don't think it'll fly, but <laughs> <I'm sourcing laughs> yeah, exactly. all right. Well, I think, uh, I don't think I answered any of your questions. That's fine. Okay. Well, we, we're not really about answering questions, but let's cap it off. Let's we, give we were, some sound design tips. We were, we like to do a couple sound design tips of people, concrete things that people can build on. And mm-hmm. we were talking about gun shells before we started recording. Oh, right. What was your tip about gun shells? Oh, uh, well, I was just suggesting that, uh, I mean, when that was incorporated into gameplay, it added so much, uh, realism and, and they're usually louder than the gunshots themselves. <laughs> uh, and, and that's, that's a perfect point is that, that is going to be scrutinized more and more, and we have to figure out a new way to do it because once once we started breaking up the gunshots themselves into you know the mechanics and the and the sweeteners and the flash and all this stuff, it, you run out of things to do. Mm-hmm. And so, with the shells, uh, rather than just throwing them on the ground, uh, you can with the 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 new consoles and certainly PC games, it's going to be its own physics object. I yep. would think eventually, right? And yep. and also you can do more interesting things sonically if you tie a bit of fishing line to it or control it in some way rather than just letting it tinkle off in mm-hmm. whatever direction. And you can keep it on mic too. Yeah. And uh, then you can edit those together however you wish or depending on what sort of uh, system you put in play in your game, you can you know really track its movements. You can yep. have interactivity with different materials. So... Yeah, it's just one little thing, and you have to seek out these little these little details, these little opportunities to do new stuff or yeah. you know put in uh, new and interesting things because uh, the the disk space is improved, the fidelity can be better, all the, of these the things. The bar is continually rising. Yeah, but you you know you have to again be very proactive in in finding these things and, mm-hmm. and just constantly be thinking about how can I do this differently. And you also or said gun shells aren't always the best gun shells. Right, yeah. You can you think you think that if you put the thing that you want to record in front of a microphone. It's gonna sound like the thing. Right, it doesn't. <laughs> it, a lot of the times it doesn't. So you know, you try just little bits of metal washers or you know, coins and pitch them and play with them until you get the sound that is in your head or that you want. Mm-hmm. Nobody says you have to record a 7.62 millimeter shell for an AK-47. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can use a 50 caliber shell and pitch it up. Yeah, you can do whatever you want because we're wildly misunderstood. You may as well take advantage of that. 
<laughs> I think that's a a perfect statement while in the Foley room. Yeah, that's Which true. is all about faking it. You know, yeah. most of these things in this room will be recorded not for what they actually are, mm-hmm. but to represent something else. I mean, you guys Lots don't of, do a lot of you know, sounds with the Nerf bow and arrows? That pile of tape <laughs> in the corner is like, is snow. That walking on snow is, you uh, know. Yeah, it's mostly foliage, uh, leaves, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. We have... Uh, it's not recording tape like no <laughs> you'd be surprised how little that comes up in gameplay yeah <laughs> all right you're interacting with a shitload of vcr tapes <laughs> okay go on i have that <laughs> yeah but fortunately it just it just sounds like you're rustling them. a bunch of leaves though <laughs> no it's tape that's really another, that's another thing that uh will often not sound like you want it to, grass, yep. leaves, things like that. They're they're usually they read like static. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's you got. I had a heck of a time on Don't Starve getting a grass footstep that I was happy with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It always sounded too dry. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want dry grass. Like that was great for my tall grass walking, but I'm just like the short grass. I wanted like a lawn, and walking on a lawn doesn't actually sound like anything. No. So it was like, what Nobody's represents that, that, that that's like, I don't want this dry, crisp sound. I want, like, I don't remember what I did. I think I gave up and just put in <laughs> something <laughs> something that was like, that's a grass. Everybody else is buying that as a grass sound. I'm the only one obsessing over this. I'll go <laughs> obsess over a different sound. Right. <laughs> I'll put my effort into something else. Cause <laughs> oh, that's actually a... I, it's time to wrap up, but an excellent point rather than ending on I gave up <laughs> is knowing when to move on. Yeah. Because chances are most of the people who would listen to something like this are perfectionists and you have to really budget out sometimes to a per asset, especially if you're billing hourly, mm-hmm. you have to figure out like I have X number of assets in this many hours. Yeah. If I don't have this thing down in 10 minutes, I'm I need to move money. on. Yeah. Or totally. something else is going to suffer. And, and you know, that's the trade-off. Yeah. And some things aren't worth putting that much effort into. There is other things that there are better off you putting the effort Absolutely. into. you got to choose your battles. Yeah. Because you will be called upon to go to the mat for something you really believe in that everybody else is probably like, no, we're going to cut that feature or nobody cares about that. And yeah. that's, that's when you will have to say, this is worth my time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thanks, thanks a lot for talking, for talking to us. us, and thanks for letting us record. Yeah, you here bet. in this Let's hope that worked. Awesome studio. We went to saw the symposium. We talked to Dan. It's all this wicked fully room at Microsoft. Yeah, that was sweet. Room. That is a good. Room. I would have loved to spend a long time in there. That's one of fun, several, I assume. Some fun toy. That was the that was specifically the sound lab fully room. Yes. What uh, I like about fully rooms is that no matter how high up the ladder you go. They're yeah. always just a giant mess. <laughs> There's a total, not, totally not enough shelves. <laughs> it's not that. It bad. always and too, no matter what you do, it looks like a pile of garbage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're like, uh, you know, as somebody who does fully, you're like, this is awesome. Yeah. I love this pile of garbage. Yeah, such a good pile of garbage. Um, the talks highlights for the talks. Um, we wanted to touch briefly on. Our thoughts on the kind of the divide, and this seems this popped up first last year when we went to the uh, symposium, the DigiPen Symposium. Yes. Symposium was sort of the divide between the academic audio world and the professional audio world. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I like I I like seeing, I like I have no exposure to the academic side of things. I'm so entrenched in like just shipping games, you yeah. know that uh, it's interesting to see that because I don't ever get any exposure to it and it's different I actually one of the speakers from last year and who was there today was one of my professors in university for a course that I took that I thought was going to be a fly course that I wouldn't have to work at yeah and I did horribly in this was actually <laughs> really hard but at the same time I didn't know what I was learning <laughs> I was like what are you what are you talking about the whole time it was a complete whoosh for me I had, it was all over my head yeah um because it's it's very esoteric art, and yeah. practic- practicality is not the end. I think no, and that's where things get lost on me a lot of the time. It's like, well, what's it for? 
oh, yeah. well, it's just, it's art for art's sake. And I, I have trouble uh, accepting that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting. It, it is interesting. It's been interesting both years that there has been that kind of split. Yes. And All good talks, though. Yeah, yeah, it was all great talks. This year I noticed that it felt like some of the academic stuff was a... Um, there wasn't very much of a game focus for me. No, not the I was, academic stuff. I was able enough. to, like, uh, you know, get something out of it and, like, appreciate it and thought they were good talks, but it was just... It was about, like, academic music stuff. And I was like, that was... it was. I found it interesting, but it just wasn't very game-focused yeah. for me. Harry Cook... Uh, was one of the speakers, and his his academic stuff was absolutely fascinating. And it was fun. Yeah. Uh, didn't take itself too seriously, but very technically advanced. Um, and we learned about speaker. we learned about cadaver heads. Cadaver heads. Yeah. <laughs> Which was a totally freaky, weird thing that um everyone should go look up. So this slide popped up during his talk, and he was rifling through slides, and uh, one of the slides just had cadaver heads written on it and he did not address it so I actually had to stop well it wasn't it wasn't just a slide that said cadaver heads it It was like within a list of a list of of things was that there was uh, dogs uh was also in in the list yeah Yeah. and it was about uh ways that um vocals have been created or Created isn't quite the way it re- artificially what? reproduced. Yes, that's a better word for it. Yeah. So in that list was cadaver heads. Yeah, and you bravely put up your hand <laughs> and said, "What's up with cadaver heads?" <laughs> Can you please expand on the cadaver heads? Uh, so apparently, uh, scientists, actual scientists, one of the experiments that they had done in the past, like before electronic electronically reproduced voices was to stick basically a duck call whistle. A duck call whistle is the wrong word. It's a duck call. It's just a duck call. They're just sticking a duck call into different hoses to to try to make formats out of the other end. And one of the hoses that was attempted were human heads. They, they blew air through human cadaver heads. Yeah, through vocal cords and then would and manipulate the mini- their jaws. Yeah, with their hands. To try to to make so find what? me something creepier than that and I will bow out of life <laughs> um and uh Guy's talk was really great yeah which was a redo of his talk he did at GDC um about music for Peggle 2 which I missed his talk at, at GDC so I was super super happy to, to see it because it was great it was a great talk yeah that was, um, that was quite a privileged thing to see I mean yeah free free GDC talk so there was some stuff in Perry's talk. I wrote down. I don't remember now, but like I actually got some stuff out of Perry's first talk. He did two talks um, that I was like, I can do something with that. The Sonovox. Oh, that was something I just wanted. Yeah. Um, but the vocoding stuff, I was kind of like, I got some ideas from the vocoding stuff he was talking about that I was like, oh, I think I can actually do something like concrete with that. But uh, Guy's talk was the talk that I like really got concrete ideas for a game I'm working on right now Same. that I want to do with like the music right. so, so that guy, was cool the guy's a- talk was um, about scoring Peggle 2 and a lot to do with basically granularizing uh, score so you can actually score your game instead of just laying in music long music loops Yeah. Um, you really break it down into small chunks everything is still planned everything is still controlled but the movement of the game is, is triggered with real-time parameter controls. Yeah. The game. Which I think, you know, a game like that Peggle, um, like a puzzle game, is really, I think, easy to do with that sort of thing. Like like an adventure game, I think, is harder. It's a little trickier. But But even with that, like, I started getting ideas of, with one of the games I'm working on right now, like, I started writing down, like, oh here's a list of things that I should explore can we control the music with Yes. that I hadn't really thought about before and now I've got this list of what could be real time parameter controls for my music that's yeah. like I'm gonna like investigate like which one of these will actually work and then a couple other ways to like classify my music cause he they did uh, each um, 
Uh, they're not a boss in Peggle. The the characters you play with. Yeah, what are they? Casters, overlords. Was it caster? No, the casters. It is not casters or overlords. But each character, <laughs> they theme the music to each character. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, okay, they there's slot the score into the template. Yeah. So basically, guy they, designed this elaborate template, and then could give that template to other composers, and they could follow the template, make their own comp- compositions for the template, and then that could be easily slotted slotted into the game. Yeah. And sound beautiful. So so I've got a couple of interesting ideas. I think of like. What, how I could differentiate different themes in the game and what is a list of controls I should look at of that I'm going to consider using to control that music yeah. that I hadn't thought of before. Like yeah. I th- I'm, I'm already like thinking in a different direction than I originally thought. So, so that was really good. Yeah, just that talk alone made the trip worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and uh, all the talks apparently are going to be online. Yeah, Within they're the saying... a couple of weeks, hopefully. Uh, we were talking to the, the coordinators at the end, and they said that they, they filmed it all, they recorded it all, and that they're going to put them all up online. Um, so we'll so, try to send out a tweet or something. Yeah, so everyone who wasn't there can check it out. It's totally worth it. Yeah. All right, I think that's a good wrap-up. Yep, and that ends the fifth podcast. Sweet. We'll be back in a month. Talk to you then. Bye.